Welcome to episode one of J-Zone, the podcast for everything Blue Jays related. That includes news, updates, roster moves, anything really. Now it's basically the lockout information, which sucks because I hate talking about the lockout. I've been talking about it on other like podcasts with other people for the last like two months, three months, and it's getting very annoying. But as I said, this is the first episode of the podcast, so welcome to everyone who may be watching. For the first episode, we will be going over how the podcast will go. We will also talk about the MLB lockout, which, as I said, I've been talking about this for too long, even though three months is not really too long, but still, I don't like talking about it. We're also going to be going over the signings and roster moves before the lockout started, just because this is the first episode and we haven't gotten caught up on the off season so we need to do that and we will also do a season recap from 2021 so before we get started i should tell you guys where you can find us so you can find us on instagram at jzonepod and we also have a youtube channel where we'll be posting the podcast as well as long along with clips from them and if you're watching on youtube you can see the visuals as well like if i go over like stats or anything like that you will be able to see that, which is pretty cool. Uh, we are also going to be available on Spotify and also the many other podcast platforms we will be available on in the future. We'll let you know on that, so make sure to stay tuned to our Instagram. Okay, so I'm going to do a quick overview of JZone, just kind of like a trailer for the podcast. So we're planning on to upload our new episodes on Tuesdays at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, so... It's going to be available in the middle of the morning, not early, early, but not too late. You can listen to us on, well, I mean, like I said, you can listen or watch on YouTube or you can watch or listen on Spotify pretty soon. Uh, What we're going to cover is basically all the trending topics surrounding the Blue Jays right now. We're going to be going over most of the lockout information. We're going to be going over predictions and a lot of, you know, hot takes from either me or viewers because we're going to be answering viewer questions as well as taking viewer hot takes. So if you have any, make sure to put them down in the YouTube comments, put them in the Instagram comment sections, Instagram stories, anything like that, and I will answer them on the podcast. So that's basically an overview of Jay's Zone. Hopefully, you kind of have an idea of what is going to be on the podcast. Um, We're going to be doing some other things for the podcast as well. But to start off, this is that's what we're going to be doing. When we get into the like the games in the regular season and spring training, when we actually get to that, who knows when? Because as far as the last meeting between the um. MOBPA and the MOB owners, it doesn't look like that's going to be anytime soon. Uh, but, like I said, when we get to the regular season and spring training, we're going to be doing recaps on the week, like how the games went, what Blue Jays are performing the greatest, uh, what we may need to work on, or what the Blue Jays may need to work on as a team to improve how things are going in the American League East, which, in my opinion, is the best division in baseball. If you want to tell me otherwise, it better be a good reason. So, uh, we're going to get into the MOB lockout information, I think. 
So we're going to go over two things that the MLB owners have wanted. Uh, they do want a lot of other things, but these are the two things that I've picked out that I want to talk about for this episode. So the first thing is wanting minor league players to play spring training unpaid. This is what they brought up in the last CBA meeting. And they also paid people to argue this to the players, which I thought was really weird and stupid because not only are they ripping off minor league players again, like young players again, but they don't even want them to get paid for spring training. So that that in itself is pretty dumb because a lot of like in the first place, other minor league players are already working other jobs just to gain revenue for their families or for a living because they're not getting paid enough by their teams or by baseball in general. So if you're making them not get paid at all for spring training, then they're not going to really be focused on baseball too much because they're going to be focused on getting hired to other jobs to keep their revenue up and make sure that they can pay rent and, you know, have a living. So the on-field product is not going to be as good as it once was because players are not going to be too focused on the game. They're going to be focused on how they're going to pay their next bills instead of, like I said, playing the game of baseball, which everyone wants them to do. And it goes to another thing that I'm going to talk about, what the players want, is that they wanted players playing out there three years before arbitration get paid more. It goes with that because even MLB players before arbitration sometimes have to work other jobs, which is ridiculous because you're playing, you're almost playing every single day a game. So let's say you work in the morning before the game. You get up, you have to go to your first job or go to your like secondary job, work that, and then you have to worry about going to the field and playing baseball. And both those jobs combined aren't even the equivalent to what like average MLB players are getting paid after arbitration. So that's a little bit annoying and weird. I think that should change. I think I side with the players on that one. But yeah, the MLB owners are very confusing to me because they're billionaires, but they still want their players to be unpaid so that they don't have to pay them and they can make more money. And that leads me into the next topic is um, them wanting to expand the playoffs. And I heard that it, they wanted to do 14 teams, so I put together, like, a playoff scenario, like a bracket. And if you're watching on YouTube, I will put that there right now, so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, but this will also probably be a clip uh, on the channel, so if you're, wa if you're listening on Spotify, you don't have to l listen to the whole thing on YouTube. You can just go to the direct video, but basically... The first seed is going to get a bye in the first, well, I'm guessing the wild card. So the number one seed for the American League and National League is going to get a bye into, I'm guessing, the division series, obviously. So there's going to be what looks to be, if, it, if we're going by my speculation, there's going to be one, there's going to be three wild card games. Um, one wild card game for each league is going to be deciding who faces the number one seed so i'm guessing it's going to be the sixth and seventh seeds from each league because 
each league has seven seeds because it's 14 teams there's two leagues that are going into each other so the first seed is going to get a buy from each league national league and american league which hopefully as blue jay fans we hope that it's the blue jays because then they won't have to play the first round like the division winners wouldn't have to um play in previous seasons except for 2020 which that was an odd season i get that because they only played 60 games and they had I think it was a 16-team playoff. That that was weird. I mean, it benefited the Jays. They made the postseason. May not have done so well, but that's okay. We don't need to talk about that. Like I was saying, the first seeds from each league will get a bye. From the 6th and 7th seeds, will play, I'm guessing, either a one-game playoff or a best-of-three. And whoever wins that is going to face the first seed of each league. And then, I'm guessing the 2 and 3 seeds... Or the, I'm guessing two would play four. I don't know. The bracket that I made on a on a generator is not like seated correctly for the MLB. It's all on like one side. So if I can, I will make it better as a visual. But no one's gonna get buys except the first seed. So it's basically they play like round one. There's two round one matches. The winner, the two winners of that play in a divisional series. And, and then in the other divisional series, like I said, it's the first seed versus the sixth or seventh seed. Most likely it'll be the first seed coming out of that. But if we do see an upset, then that makes the bracket even better. But then whoever wins that will face each other in the championship series. And then whoever wins that goes to the World Series. Same thing with the other league, which... I'm guessing is going to be the National League, because obviously if we're talking about the Blue Jays, we're talking about the American League. And then the winner of that, like I said, goes into the World Series to face uh, the winner of the American League. Um, but that's basically my bracket that I speculated. They, they might be, they may do it another way if they're doing 14 teams. Knowing MLB, they're pretty unpredictable with some stuff. Obviously, right now, they haven't been unpredictable at all. They've been asking for stuff that I'm assuming they know that the PA will not accept, which is kind of annoying because they they need to come to agreement. We need baseball. That's all I'm saying. But now that I have explained the bracket, I'm going to explain how this would help the Blue Jays or this would impact the Blue Jays. So in a season like last season, of course, it would have helped the Blue Jays because they got they would have gotten into a wild card round probably would have had to face the first seed from the american league which i think was the tampa bay rays and we all know what happened in 2020 when they were the eighth seed and they faced the one seed tampa bay rays didn't go well but that would have been a best of that this would be a best of five and they would have had games in toronto maybe they would have been down 2-0 but like we saw in 2015 it doesn't matter if the blue jays are down 2-0 they can come back they were down 2-0 against the rangers they came back the rangers had good pitching the rays have good pitching that's a similarity all i'm saying is i think it would have benefited them in a season like last season because they just needed a, a chance you know they had a good team i think they were playoff caliber and if they weren't in a division like the al east they would have made the playoffs they would have possibly won a wild card scenario versus the yankees or red sox because we saw how good they did at fenway park and yankee stadium the only thing that costed them at fenway park at yankee and yankee stadium is their bullpen in late games they had the lead in almost every single game they played at Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park. So, I think 
this would have helped them last season. Um, we're going to have to wait and see if it helps them this season. Uh, it's going to depend on how well or how good of a season the Blue Jays have. But I think the Blue Jays are going to have another good season. And I think if they can stay away from injuries, fix up their bullpen, I think they do have a shot at the playoffs. So maybe next season this doesn't help them out because if they get let's say, like, a really high seed, but they just miss out on the number one seed in the American League, they are missing out on the bye, and they could lose in the wild card and not even make the division series. So maybe that doesn't help them next year. So there's a lot of different scenarios that could impact the Blue Jays with this bracket because playing in the American League East... Uh, it's very unpredictable to see what the Blue Jays are do because before last season, when they signed George Springer, they signed Marcus Simeon, they signed Robbie Ray to another year, we thought they had a shot of winning the whole thing. But then, like I said, the bullpen got in the way of them. Injuries got in the way of them. Four teams getting over 90 wins got in the way of them. Obviously, that wasn't the biggest factor because we already knew that the AL East would be like that. Obviously, it was the bullpen and injuries, mostly the bullpen, because we would have been a much higher seed than New York or Boston if we didn't blow so much games late, especially at Fenway Park. But the fact of the matter is, if we would have, you know, done a little bit better in those late games, then... This scenario that I proposed wouldn't, it would affect us because, like I said, we could have lost in the wildcard round like we did to Tampa in 2020. So that is my opinion on the playoff bracket. I think it's, it's, it's done good. I think it's okay. A lot of people have mixed feelings about it. A lot of people like the classic 10 teams, two wildcard games, one for each league, five teams in each league. They like that. Three division winners, two wildcard teams. They like that. I like the expanded playoffs, but then I don't for what I said about the Blue Jays because this is a Blue Jays podcast. I am only talking about what matters to the Blue Jays. I am talking about news around the MLB because it does impact the Blue Jays. But if I'm a team like the Dodgers or, I don't know, the Mets next year because everyone knows the Mets have got another shot of winning the National League East, then I maybe don't like this format because we're expected to be division winners. And, like I said with the Blue Jays, if they weren't in a division like the AL East, then I would have liked the normal format. But if you're in the AL East like the Blue Jays are and you're fighting for one of those top spots, maybe you do like the 14 teams because... It, get, it takes more less pressure off you during the time where you're fighting for one of those two wildcard spots or in a division race. So, like I said, that's my comments on the expanded playoffs. We're going to move on to the thing. Uh, I touched on it earlier, but we're going to move on to uh, one thing the players want that I wanted to touch on. Like I said, I touched on it a bit earlier, but basically it is players that are playing out there three years before arbitration to get paid more. That's what the players want. And like I said earlier, this is, I agree. Obviously, I could be selfish as a Blue Jays fan and saying, no, we don't have to because, you know, if it was like that, then we'd have to pay Vlad and Bo and Teo and, you know, maybe Guriel all this money because 
they deserve more than their minor league contracts that they're on, and that would close the door on other opportunities in free agency, but I'm not gonna be like that because I, you know, I'm not gonna be a selfish fan. But, like I said, the reason why I'm touching on this is because the Blue Jays have a young team who they have a bunch of players who aren't even at arbitration yet like i said Bo and guriel Bo will be eligible in 2023 and guriel won't be eligible until 2024 vlad and biggio are already on i think uh eligible because it said 2022 season so i'm interested to see what will happen after the lockout? Rather, uh, they will request a higher salary because obviously Vlad deserves a higher salary than what he's probably getting because he finished top two in MVP voting last season. And if it weren't for Otani finishing in first and having probably what most people would argue the best season in, in the history of the game, Vlad would have won MVP. So I guess that's my argument for that. But like I said, Bo, Vlad, Guriel, and I'm guessing Biggio, I, I'll include him too because he still has potential. They're getting ripped off. They're, you know, they're on base level contracts of like six to seven hundred grand. And yes, that is a lot of money, but like for compared to, you know, major league contracts like, you know, Tatis and Franco, they're on, they were, they're still not before arbitration, but their teams have already locked them up with big contract extensions. So yeah, that adds some cushion onto their contract, but that doesn't come into effect until after their I believe until arbitration or done their service time. So all these young players are not getting paid anything compared to what, you know, what Max Scherzer is getting paid, which I shouldn't compare to because Max Scherzer is honestly compared like other than a Blue Jay picture pitcher, he's my favorite player in the game, favorite pitcher in the game. So I shouldn't really compare to him because the dude's amazing. He deserves the money, but he like they're not getting paid as much as other players. I mean, Mookie Betts is getting paid a ton of money. Mike Trout is getting paid a ton of money. But also, these players, like I said, are getting are the best players in the game. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and even Bo Bichette, they're not that far behind them. They're going to be great. They have been great. And if you add those two together, then they're going to be very great, like Mookie Betts and Mike Trout have been for their respective teams. So I think they should get paid more because this isn't try. This isn't me trying to say that Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Max Scherzer deserve to pay, get paid as much as these players. I'm saying Vlad and Bo deserve to get paid as much as, well, not probably as much yet, but like closer to the amount of Betts and Trout and Scherzer, not like, you know, their contracts are getting right now. So, that's my argument. Uh, so as you can see, I am on the side of the players for that. So right now, I'm kind of on the side of the players. The only thing I can kind of see good from the MLB is the expanded playoffs only because it impacts the Blue Jays, but that's about it. And then I'm going to talk about how long I think the lockout will last. 
because this is one of the most asked questions uh, in the game right now, and it probably will be until the next, like, until they actually gain some ground in the next uh, CBA meeting, which I don't know when it will be. Okay, so time for me to talk about the MLB lockout and how long I think it will last. So as you may know, uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday when it comes out, um, the recent CBA meeting was on Saturday between the players or the players association and the MLB owners. They discussed topics like what I said earlier, which MLB doesn't want minor league players to get paid in spring training, which, like I said, I think is dumb. I'm sure the Players Association discussed about how they want their players serving time before arbitration to get paid more. And obviously, with those two arguments, they gained no ground, which tells us that they did not agree at all with any of each other's arguments, which means NLB really doesn't want to pay their players. They just, they don't care about their players. That's what I'm gaining through here. MLB doesn't care about their players. Like, the the facts are there. The arguments are there from the lockout. They don't want to pay their players. They don't care about their players. Their players are the ones that are generating them the revenue. People don't want to watch the game of baseball if the on-field action is bad. If it's sloppy, then no fan's going to want to watch their team. And that means TV revenue is going to go down. And that's one of the biggest incomes that MLB have is TV deals and MLB Network and like all of the team broadcasts like Sportsnet or you know a broadcast down the United States like Valley Sports or you know Yes for the Yankees or Nesson for the Red Sox you know it's they're not going to gain any of those if fans aren't watching and fans aren't going to watch if their players are not performing and their players aren't going to perform if they're not getting any support from the MLB or their owners. So basically, what MLB is doing is they're being too. They're they're what they're doing is they're too greedy right now, and they're also going to see a drop in on-field playing or on-field like skill level because just MLB doesn't care about their players. Like I said. So, like I said, coming back to how long I think it will last. Uh, over the past couple meetings, they said they've gained no ground. Rob Manfred, the commissioner, said that he was confident that the date, the deadline for the regular season will stand. I disagree with that because if they keep on having meetings, meetings and taking long breaks in between them and not gaining any traction on this whole lockout, then it's not going to be on time. And in fact, I think if they have another meeting like this, then the season is not going to start until until May. Until like May or mid-April. That's what I think. And that might be a hot take. But if MOB can't come to an agreement. And they're having to hire people to argue to the players. And that's still not working. Then that just shows that the two sides just they, they can't get along. Which everybody's known that by now. But if you think about it, if they can't get along through all these meetings and they're gaining no traction at all, then how is there going to be a season? How or how is the season going to start on time? And how is it going to, you know, it may not start till May. So that's what I think about that case. So now that we've moved on from how long I think 
it will last. We're going to move on to another thing that I'm... I don't know. I, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's the Universal DH. And this doesn't affect the Blue Jays necessarily. But when the Blue Jays go to, you know, National League Parks, which they go to a few every year, their pitchers are not going to have to hit. Now, this is good because it prevents injuries. It allows them to have their DH through the whole season without any games not having one. So it provides more jobs for players, which MLB finally realized that, and they're taking action. So maybe that will get them more money, greedy owners. And also, like I said, sorry, and also it will make, uh, it will improve National League offenses because the the pitchers ruin rallies all the time. Obviously, there's some pitchers that don't, like Jacob deGrom and Zach Greinke, who... Yeah, I know, now plays in the American League, but whenever he does hit, he rakes. But apart from those couple guys and a couple other guys that I forgot to mention, um, sorry, but that, that besides the point, like, the offenses are just, they're just slumping and that's part of the order because, you know, it's it's just ruining their rallies and it's making the game, you know, some maybe for, like, um, the older generation who it was so used to the DH, maybe maybe that maybe that makes them upset. But for me and for the younger generation, I think that the DH is a perfect move by the owners. It's probably the move that I think is the best so far that we've discussed today. It's better than the expanded playoffs. It's for sure better. Than all these arguments that they're making that players that should not players should not be getting paid if they're not at arbitration, or if they're in spring training as minor leaguers. So that that's that's the best thing that I that we've discussed, I think. But like I said, I've talked enough about the lockout. I am ready to move on. I don't like talking about the lockout. It's annoying. I want to. Just forget about the lockout completely until next episode. Maybe we have some more news. But we're going to move on to the next topic. We have two more topics to go over in this episode. Actually, three. Three, yes. The next one is 2021-2022. Or not really 2022, because it really happened all in 2021. uh, Before the holiday break and before the lockout started. And that is the off-season signings. We're going to talk about three of them. I'm going to review their stats, and I can, and I'm going to discuss if that would help the Blue Jays next season and in their push to make a World Series. Okay, so the first thing is it's not a totally new signing. It's just an extension to Jose Barrios. I think this is a great extension. We might have overpaid for him at the trade deadline giving away some of our top prospects but we need pitching and obviously we don't really need starting pitching anymore but at the time at the deadline we needed more depth and I think Burrios provided that for us like I said it was unfortunate that we had four teams with 90 plus wins we are struggling from injuries still and our bullpen still couldn't finish a game but we st- that still didn't take away the fact that we needed starting pitching depth. And we got it with 
Jose Barrios. And I think he's going to be a good signing for us because we're going to have him... Well, we still have him for this year coming up. And then after that, he's going to be on his extension, which I think is seven years. I'm going to look at his stats right now. I have his baseball reference linked. So yes, he's a free agent in 2029. So he is age... Yeah. 27? Is he only 27? Wow. So... We're in 2022, it's going to be another 7 years, he'll be 35 at the end of his contract, 35, 36, around there. And that that's, that's, that's a good spot to end off a contract, I don't think we sign him at the end of that, unless he just, can, he, unless he gets better with age like Max Scherzer, but I think this is a good signing for us, um, he had, you know, a good season last year. I don't think it was his best. I think his best was in 2019. But I still think that that was a really, really good signing for the Blue Jays. Lock him up when he thought it was necessary. Well, when Brios thought it was necessary to sign, we got him. And as soon as we signed Jose Brios, I was happy. But I kind of had the feeling that we weren't going to sign Robbie Ray back. And then, as I move on to the next signing, which is Kevin Gosman, that's when I was like, okay, we're not going to get Robbie Ray. Which, yes, I was sad, but I'm going to move on to Kevin Gosman now. And I posted this on the J-Zone Podcast Instagram, a comparison between Gosman and Ray. They had very similar seasons. Um... I don't have Ray's baseball reference pulled up right now, but I can pull up the Instagram post that we posted on the Instagram. And if you compare the two the games, Gosman had 33, Ray had 32. Innings pitch, Gosman had 192, and Robbie Ray had 193 and a third. Wins and loss, pretty similar. Gosman, 14 and 7. Ray, 13-7. So, Gosman, one more win than Ray. The ERA, Gosman was a little bit better. He had 2.81. Robbie Ray, 2.84. Not that much. But, if we're talking about, like, as I say, I have a little bit of Blue Jay bias. Ray's not a Blue Jay anymore. I still have a lot of respect for him. I'm still going to cheer for him when he goes to Seattle. Because Seattle's another one of the teams that I like. But, um, the only major difference I see in these two things is the strikeouts and there's it's not it's not too big of a difference it's like 21 strikeouts more for Robbie Ray um which is a lot that's like uh, like two starts worth of more strikeouts and I say that's a lot of strikeouts per start but for Robbie Ray you know that's his average he's a high strikeout pitcher for Gosman yes he is he's a high strikeout pitcher he gets a lot of strikeouts on his splitter which is good. Ray, different. You got a lot of strikeouts on his slider. But there's not a lot of differences in these two pitchers. And and to be honest, yes. And they both pitched... Or sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. And they both pitched in similar divisions. The NL West is, I think, the second best division in all of baseball. And they could have been the first if they had four teams that could compete. But right now, I think it was the only... 
the Giants and Dodgers, the Padres, they had a good season, but they fell off at the end, like we saw. The Diamondbacks and Rockies, they got a long way to go. The Rockies, I don't know what their owner is. I feel so bad for that fan base. They just... I don't want to talk about the Rockies. I just feel so bad for their fans. I'm just talking about their division. They both... Both divisions have insanely good offenses. Even... Like, you talk about the Dodgers, Giants, Padres... Those are three insane offenses. And I compare Robbie Ray to Kevin Gosman last year. As Gosman had to face the Dodgers and Padres offenses. Ray, he had to face the Yankees and the Red Sox offense. He also had to face the Rays offense. But the Rays offense, I don't feel, was as strong as the Yankees and Red Sox. I think they were just a little bit more balanced. And they had better bullpen. 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 Great. Yeah. Great. Um... Like I said, these two pitchers are so similar in stats and numbers, and the divisions are so similar. So, I think I think it was a good replacement. Like the Blue Jays knew we weren't gonna get Robbie Ray since he was the Cy Young Award winner. He's gonna ask for more money, so they got a good pickup in Kevin Kevin Gosman. I think so. I think it's a good pickup, and uh, Gosman. He won't be a free agent until 2027. So we're going to have Barrios until 2029, Gosman until 2027. So that's another five years with Gosman and Barrios in the same rotation. We're going to have Ryu for another two years. So that's another two years with Gosman, Barrios, Ryu. Manoa as well. He's another young player that I think should get more money. Obviously, he's only pitched for like not even a season yet. So I think he has more to prove maybe to get more money. But he he, he proved himself in his rookie year. He had a great rookie season. Uh, I'll touch on him a little bit more in the 2021 season recap. But... We're going to move on to the third and final signing that I'm going to discuss, which is the Yimmy Garcia signing. Um, And he's an interesting one. He pitched for the Houston Astros last season. Um, He, I think, was a relief pitcher. Yep. He's ages 31. He won't be a free agent. He... We sent him to a two-year contract, so that's good because he's in his early 30s. He's starting to get, you know, he's still a decently young, but he's he's getting older, so I'm happy that we only signed him for two years. Test him out. If he does good, then you can re-sign him. But I think um, he, he will be an okay bullpen depth. Yeah, the ERA teeny bit high at 421 in the AL West maybe understandable because he had to face offenses like the Oakland A's the Angels with Otani and Trout for half the season um and the Mariners all oh, the Mariners I wish they made the playoffs too now they're a good team and Robbie they're gonna have Robbie Ray now but um I think he'll add some bullpen depth Obviously, we'll take all the bullpen pitchers we can get. If you saw last season, we sucked in the bullpen category. So, I like what the front office is trying to do. They're just trying to add some depth, like they should be doing. It's unfortunate that the free agency market got stopped 
do the walkout. Um, and I was watching um, the Talking Baseball podcast with um, John Boy and... Or no, it was their Talking Yanks pro- podcast, John Boy and Jake. And they were talking to Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees, on Yes. And he was saying that once this lockout ends and they get free agency back, baseball is going to be in a just chaotic zone. And I think... Like you said, that's going to be the best thing for baseball because we're going to, like, Twitter's going to be blowing up. Instagram's going to be blowing up. You know, all the TV providers that do baseball, they're going to be having so much topics to go over. The content is going to be fresh. And I think the Blue Jays make another, make a couple more moves in that offseason, in that short stint for you know, the season starts after the lockout, hopefully, um, but I think, like you said, that's going to be a very chaotic zone, and I think the podcasts are going to be very long in that section, because we're gonna have a lot of news to talk about, but Yumi Garcia, like I said, great pickup, not the best, like, he's not, he's not a guy that stands out to you, but He's not a guy that you're like, no, that's terrible. So, I think good depth player. Probably not the best in our bullpen. Obviously, we still got Romano. And hopefully, Julian Merriweather comes back healthy. Like he showed at the beginning of the season when he just destroyed the Yankees in the opening weekend. And hopefully he comes back. Those two, if they get healthy and they perform like they did early in the season, and Romano through basically throughout the whole season, I think Yumi Garcia with those two good pieces. Um, I believe we still have Joaquin Soria as well. Just gonna, I'm gonna go to the Blue Jays roster. I'm gonna see if he's still on. Let's see here. We have relief pitchers. Oh yeah, that's an um, it's another um, a uh, good one for the bullpen. Nate Pearson, I want to talk about him as well in a future video, uh, future podcast. I'm not gonna talk about him in this one, but I think he's another good topic. He will be good for the bullpen. I'll use him because I'm not quite sure. I think Joaquin Soria was a free agent, but that's okay. We have Nate Pearson, Nate Pearson, Julian Merriweather, Jordan Romano. And then we have Emi Garcia with, like I said, Tim Meza. Hopefully, he showed good signs of being good last season. Um, you know, we have Anthony Kay. Sometimes he can be good. He's pretty inconsistent. Adam Simber looked okay last season as well. And hopefully, Ryan Baraki can fix uh, his issues as well. The bullpen is looking a little bit better. Still not where I think it should be at for a playoff team. But we're still working away at it. And like I said, it's still the lockout. We can't really do anything right now because of the lockout and free agency closed and transactions and all that. So we can't really do that. But I think I'm going to move on from the signings. I think I'm going to move on to the 2021 season recap. And I'm going to start off with the good, um, or actually, let me start off with the bad things, because I want to save the good for last, I want to end on a good note for this topic, I always like doing that, haven't really been doing it so far, 
um, because with the offseason signings, I was complaining about the bullpen. Uh, what the players want in the lockout, I was complaining about... Well, actually, no. I ended off on the good one for that because I was talking about the universal DH. But, you know, what the MLB wants, I was talking about, you know, players not getting paid. So, we're going to talk about the bad things first. Uh, and we're going to be touching on George Springer. He wasn't a bad thing at all, but the fact the matter, the fact that it, that if he had been healthy for a full season i don't know like you know we we maybe not even would have had to had the best in bullpen we could have just made the playoffs just because of that he could have won us the extra 5 games or like even like 2 games that we needed to force a tiebreaker so i think George Springer, if we had him healthy for a full season, it would have been, we we may, we may just would have, you know, made the playoffs. He had 299 at-bats. You double that, it's, you know, it's like near 500 at-bats. It's like 498, something like that. I'm terrible at math. Or sorry, 598. I'm dumb. I'm thinking, I was thinking about something else. It would have been 500, around 600 at-bats, uh, 22 home runs, you double that, that's like, what, 44 home runs for George Springer? Um, RBIs, 50, would have had 100 probably. OPS Plus was good, 143. Batting average, Around Springer's average, around in the high 260s, I think that's what we expect from George Springer. Hits was only at a 79, but it, like I said, if he was playing for a whole season, 79 at-bats, I mean, that turns into what, like 160, 158 around that? So, that, that's above league average. So, I think with those couple stats and reasons if we had Springer especially that series when he faced Tampa yeah the bullpen blew like three of those games but we had we had Springer in that lineup hitting home runs leading off the game getting the energy of the team well we could have very well took three out of four instead of getting swept and that could have meant that we were in the playoffs that whole thing that whole series against Tampa and Dunedin that whole thing could have meant that we make the playoffs. That that one series, if we had Springer for that one series, we would have made the playoffs. I think. So, we're going to move on from George Springer, but I just wanted to touch on him a little bit. Let's see here. Our next topic is going to be the bullpen struggles. And I've been talking about the bullpen throughout this whole podcast, but I want to go in depth a little bit, just for a couple minutes. We'll start from early on, and we'll start with that race series. When I say we blew three out of the four of those games, we really did. We had the lead, and a multi-run lead late in the games. And then the bullpen comes in and blows it. And, yes, our offense late, earlier in the season sucked in the late innings, but it 
shouldn't matter because the amount of games we lost at Fenway Park, especially in Dunedin, and yes, we had a lot of Rays fans in Dunedin, and it was not fair to our team because we should have been at Rogers Center, and maybe that's a different outcome. And and if you want, I can discuss that in a podcast, um, maybe next episode. Maybe I will because I'm going to be away next weekend. I'm going to be in Ottawa, so I don't, I probably won't have a lot of news. So I'm probably going to go over the home field advantage and all that and how it matters. It won't be a very long episode compared to this one. I need to get one out. Um, but yes, like I said, the amount of games we lost in the late innings to the Red Sox, to the Yankees, and it, it, it wasn't even at Yankee Stadium that we blew a lot of games. It was at Dunedin against the Yankees, at Dunedin against the Rays, at Dunedin against the, Buff- uh, against the Red Sox. The amount of games we blew, the amount of games that we could have won, but we didn't. Because of the bullpen, we honestly could have been first place in the AL East. That That's another hot take. Especially if you're a fan of another team, like the Rays or Red Sox. I'm not trying to discredit your teams. You guys deserve those wins. You took advantage of our bullpen struggles. You guys had great late-inning rallies. I gotta give those teams credit. But the amount of games that we blew early in the season to... The most stupid pitches, and even our defense. The most stupid defensive plays I've ever seen from the Blue Jays. We could have been first in the AL East. We could have been in the division series against Boston. And we could have had a chance against Boston. We could have won against Boston. Whoa, whoa, who would we face? The Astros probably get beat by the Astros. Just because they would probably... Or no, we we would have home field advantage. Games 1 and 2 would have been in Toronto. Probably would have taken at least one of those. Go to Houston. Maybe lose 2 out of th- two out of 3. We down 3-1. Going into game 6. Probably would have won game 6. And we would have forced a 7 against Houston. And if we would have won, maybe. If our bullpen was good. If our bullpen was good, we had Robbie Ray or... Jose Barrios, Alec Manoa on the mound. We could have won that. Made it to the World Series. Who knows what could have happened against Atlanta. Who knows what could have happened. We would have had home field advantage in that matchup too. Because if you think about the Braves last season. They didn't have the best record. I don't even think they had 90 wins. It's those early games in the season that prevented us from possibly making a World Series appearance. I know I'm kind of going, you know, yeah, the Braves, 88 wins. We had 91. We would have had home field advantage. But as I was saying, I know I'm getting a little bit too far ahead of myself, but I just hate our bullpen. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. That's my bullpen rant. I told you it'd only be a few minutes. It's only been like four or five. That's my bullpen rant. Time to move on. Um, we're going to move on to... These two topics are kind of with each other. Um, it's like no playoffs, four teams in our division with over 90 wins. 
I didn't really, really, really want to do this topic because it makes me feel like, like I'm making excuses for the team. But this is for like non-hopeful Blue Jay fans. You guys need to listen. We had a good season, obviously. We had two people in the top three for MVP voting. We had a Cy Young Award winner. We had a great Rookie of the Year candidate who surprisingly wasn't in the top three. If you want me to rant about that next video, I will. But, but, or next episode. But the fact of the matter is, you can't get down over this season. Because... 91 wins should be a wild card team. Should be. But the amount of games we had to play, because obviously when you're in AL East, you have to play 19 games against each opponent. 9 games on the road, nine, uh, 10 games at home. And obviously, we only had a couple games at home. Because yes, we were the home team for 9 or 10 of those 19 games, but... We were only in Toronto from July 30th to the beginning of October, and that is only two months. So, uh, when you think about it, is we had to face these teams like the Red Sox and Yankees and Rays, but we only had a couple games at home against them. And if you look at what we did against against them at home. Yeah, the last series of the year against the Yankees in Toronto, that was a disappointment, losing two out of three. I think that was the turning point for our season that we weren't going to make the playoffs. I mean, it wasn't for sure because we had Baltimore. We would sweep Baltimore. But if we took two out of three from the Yankees, if we swept the Yankees, then we could have been in a playoff spot and the Yankees could have been out. I'm going to use the Red Sox series at home for an advantage. And I'm not saying this against the Red Sox. Because the Red Sox deserved it. Like I said, they deserved it more than us. They made it. They played harder. They they played better. Their pitching was better in clutch situations. Their offense was better in clutch situations. But I'm going to take it back to the game where we're down 7-2 to two early. Vlad comes up. Hits a home run. Teo gets a couple base hits. Makes it pretty interesting. Now it's like 8-4. to four. Then we move on to like the 6th inning. Grichik, Teo, get some more hits. 8-6. to six. Then you move on to the 8th inning. Imagine that 8th inning. We get 2 runners on, 2 outs for George Springer. In Dunedin. He's getting booed by all the Yankees fans. Or all the Red Sox fans. What do you think he does? Yes... He's good under the pressure, and maybe he does hit a home run. Maybe he does. But the fact of the matter is, he was at home. He had the support. He had everyone saying, let's go Blue Jays, or let's go Springer. And he used that to his advantage, and he hit the home run, won us the game, won us the series, won us 2 out of 3 versus Boston, got us on a roll, got us in a playoff spot at the time. This is why I think home field is good. And please don't think that this is an excuse i'm not trying to think i'm not trying to say that this is an excuse okay it's not supposed to be one it's not but the fact is if we were at home for the whole season throughout 
all the factors. It could have even impacted the bullpen because they were getting teams booing them or fans booing them. It could have been that too for some games. Obviously, it probably wasn't because we all know how horrific our bullpen is. But that reason is a playoff team. And you really can't say I'm making excuses up anymore because there's so many factors that go into the matter that didn't make us a playoff team. It's ridiculous. No home field advantage for half the season. Not a good bull... Well, sorry. Um, in the AL East, getting booed at our home games for half the season. And all that other stuff. All the injuries that we've had. And still, we were one game off. So, I think I'm going to move on. We're going to go over the great stuff. We're going to talk about the offense and the starting pitching, obviously. The offense, Bo, Teo, Gurriel, Springer, Guerrero, Simeon, Grichik for a bit, Biggio for a bit, you know, Espinal showed signs of great offense, um, Corey Dickerson was pretty good for us, or at least he was a nice piece to our lineup, and then we, then we look at the starting pitching, Manoa, Barrios, Ray, Ryu, those I'm forgetting one. I don't think I am. I mean, Steve... And then we have Steven Matz. He was good at the start of the year. I think he started, like, what? Like, 4-0? With an ERA under 2? That's ridiculous. That's that's a good start. Yeah, he might have been not been able to continue it. But it sure was a good start. Uh, and then we had our four All-Stars. Bo, Simeon, Teo... Vlad, of course. Vlad winning the MVP, hitting a mammoth home run over Fernando Tatis's head. And I say that because, you know, Tatis, he was really happy for him. And, you know, them two were good friends. So, the fact is, and, it, and also, I, I already said this, but all-star MVP for Vlad. We just, I don't know, just felt like we were in it this season. And it, it was just so good to be a fan. But it just... Uh, okay, no negatives. No negatives. I'll move on. So then we have our three... Top three players of the season, in my opinion. Vlad, Simeon, Ray. And you could probably do Ray, Vlad, and Simeon just because of awards. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. What a season, bro. What a season. 604 at-bats, 188 hits, 48 home runs, 111 RBIs. Batting average was a 311, OPS plus over 160. That was a sick season. Marcus Simeon, third in MVP. 173 hits and 652 at-bats. 45 home runs, a 265 batting average, which is a good batting average. 102 RBIs. 133 OPS plus. Uh, and then Robbie Ray, 13-7, 3. 2.84 ERA, 32 games pe- played, 193 in the third innings, 248 strikeouts. American League Cy Young Award winner. Do I need to say anything more? Other than he should have been on the All-Star team? That's basically the season recap. Let's move on to a viewer question that I got. This was, I, I made a post on Friday, saying that I was going to record this video on Monday, or this episode, keep on saying video, 
and for any questions. And the one good question I have is, well, actually, I got two. The first one was, can I be on the podcast? So I haven't set it up so that I can have guests yet, but that will be in the future, I will say. The other thing is, you can be in the podcast for your questions and your hot takes. So um, I said I would touch more on the viewer questions. The viewer questions are basically you sending me a question either in the YouTube comments, Instagram comments, Instagram stories, or through DMs, all that stuff, or even um, in Discord. You can. I have my Discord name in the description of every single episode, even the recorded ones on Spotify. You can DM me a question on Discord, that as well, um, and you can be featured in here. So, let me go to the person who actually asked this question, because I'm going to give them a shout-out for asking them a question. Um, and I'm also going to link them in the YouTube description. Um, so if you want to check them out, please do so. They helped me out. So, um, question comes from Simply. Um, it's never going to happen, but I would like to see this value to you. If you had to trade Vod Jr., what would the most realistic trade be? So, I didn't really go with, I mean, this trade could be realistic, um, but I'm going to say before I explain this trade, I never want to trade Vlad right now, obviously, and that that's a no-brainer answer, but when you're listening to this, you need to think about it in the sense that I'm not saying this because I want to trade Vlad. I'm saying this to say if I had to trade Vlad, like if contract issues got in the way, like arbitration, the Blue Jays didn't want to pay him, which that's stupid. They should pay him. They didn't want to pay him. He requested a trade. This is what I would do. So, it would be with the Oakland A's, and I know you know what's coming. Trade Vlad to the Oakland A's, get Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. The reasoning for this fills our need for third baseman. Yes, Vigio and Espinal, good over there. Espinal was fantastic defensively, one of the most underrated defenders in the league, in my opinion. That's another rant I can go on. And Biggio, obviously, he's just a solid all-around utility guy. But Matt Chapman, holy moly would he be a good pickup for third base. Great offense, platinum defender, clutch hitter, and he's been hitting in that big field out in the o- in Oakland. He's going to come to a more hitter-friendly park in Toronto. Probably going to hit for a higher average. He's going to hit more home runs, and he's going to fill the need that we have for third base. Now, obviously, over trading rate, Vlad, we're going to need to fill a gigantic hole at first base. That is why we have Matt Olson. Now, Matt Olson, he can play first base. He is what I think the most underrated first baseman in the American League in all of baseball. He's going to come to Toronto, more hitter-friendly park. Like I said for Chapman, he's going to hit for a higher average. He's going to hit more home runs, which is ridiculous for him. He's going to come into a club. They're going to come into a clubhouse that's tight. They're going to come to a positive energy clubhouse. Now, I don't know what the A's clubhouse was like, but I know that the Jays clubhouse is great. He's going to come in. They're going to be, you know, they're going to fit in nicely. They're going to help the young players. Obviously, being in the same division as the Astros, they, they they probably didn't like what they did in George Springer, but I think they'll get along. But 
this this trade is the most realistic and the trade that I most want to do uh, if we could trade by it. Now, obviously, if the when the deadline ends, the Yankees are probably going to get Olsen. That's my reasoning. But we're talking about right now. And right now is, what, like, this Tuesday, which I'm not recording this on Tuesday. I'm recording this on Monday. So I don't imagine Tuesday yet. But let's just say it's this Tuesday, the 15th of February. The lockout's still going over because they're nowhere near an agreement unless they come out with a bombshell and just trick us and say we're getting a season and the free agency is opened and the trade market is opened and that happens. That's not going to happen though. This is the most realistic trade I think the Blue Jays can make if they're going to trade Vlad. So that's just going over. That that that's that will do it for the this week's episode of J Zone. Once again, you can check us out on Instagram for more content and news. You can listen on YouTube and soon to be Spotify. I would like to thank you guys for watching. Peace.